This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, thanks for having me here today. Why do people get baptised? That's uh, our subject for this afternoon. Um, this continues a series uh, of talks you've been having here at Ormskirk. Um, first of all, why do people go to church? Why do people believe in the Bible? And why do people pray? Um, so this afternoon we'll have a look at why do people get baptised? Now, there may be, if you asked 100 people who were baptised, you might get 100 slightly different answers. Um, I've heard a lot on the radio recently from various faith leaders about whether baptism is still relevant today, whether it's essential for salvation. One of the most recent reasons I heard prompted me to think a bit more about this subject. Um, a few weeks ago, I was at a wedding. Um, it was an old school friend of mine. Um, one of the things about weddings is quite often you're thrown together with a group of people at a dinner table um, that you might not know very well. Um, the only link perhaps being some connection to the bride or groom, not necessarily knowing each other. It may be from various parts of their walk of life, old school friends, people they've worked with, family and so on. And so it was on, on this occasion. Um, conversation can be a bit difficult at first as people generally start to talk about how they know the happy couple. Um, and then attention turns to one couple's plans for the next day. Uh, they were anxious to get an early night as they had a, an early morning start to travel to their church for their child's christening. They were, however, very keen to stress that they weren't religious at all, um, but were very keen for the child to be baptised, as they said, as it was a condition of admission to the local faith school, which was a very desirable school to attend, um, various good Ofsted reports and so on. Now, for this couple, there was a very clear benefit in this christening of their child, and I'm not here to criticise them for making a decision that they felt would be beneficial in the upbringing of their child to give them a good start in life. However, I think it's a perfect example of how both the meaning of baptism and the method of baptism have been lost by many in the 2,000 or so years in which it's been practised. And I think where all these things tend to start to get a bit distorted and go a bit wrong are usually when we move away from what the Bible says. Um, one of the previous talks in this series was entitled Why Do You Believe the Bible? And as Christadelphians, we believe that the Bible is correct in its claim to be the inspired word of God. We don't have time to look behind all the reasons of that today, but I believe this talk is available online on the Olmscott Christadelphians website for those who haven't seen it already. Um, so what I'd like to do then um, is to look at uh, the Bible to see what God has told us about baptism and think about baptism, why it is important. Now, 
first reference, just a very small, all the references are going to be on the screen, so or nearly all of them, so you don't need to turn them up, you can just sit back and relax and read away. Um, these are all taken from the English Standard Version translation of the Bible. Um, so yeah, in John chapter 14 and verse 15, these are the words of Jesus, and he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Very straightforward. Now this is uh, some other words of Jesus in Mark chapter 16. Um, Jesus, the Son of God, as we know, and he talks to his disciples, and these are some of the first, uh, some of the last words, sorry, that he speaks to them before ascending to be uh, with his Father in heaven. In Mark chapter 16, he says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel, meaning the good news, to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So if we hear that uh, the gospel or the good news of the kingdom of God that is to come on the earth, uh, that's probably a, another subject for a, a different day, then we'll show that belief by baptism. If we don't believe that that's coming and we don't have faith that that, that, that is coming on the earth, then of course why would you be baptised at all? Now can we believe and be granted a place in that wonderful kingdom without baptism? I've heard a number of faith leaders say that baptism, as I said earlier, they say it's perhaps outdated and although a useful symbol, not an essential step to salvation. But what does Jesus say about this in the scriptures? Perhaps we can look at, at one um, encounter with a man named Nicodemus, which is in John chapter 3. I've not put the whole quote up there because it's quite a, a long one. I'll just read it out for you. Um, in John chapter 3, uh, it says there that there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, this may not be a definitive answer for you to that, that question about whether baptism is essential. Some think that the water mentioned is not necessarily related to baptism, but a reference to the amniotic fluid of childbirth. But the, the, the principle of baptism is around rebirth and raising up to a new way of life. And we'll perhaps look at this a little bit later on. So apart from obeying the commands of Jesus, we can also, of course, follow his actions. He is described to us in the Bible as the word made flesh. He carried out his father's will and was a perfect example to us all. Jesus himself, of course, was baptised by John the Baptist. Um, we, we read of that account in Matthew chapter 3. It says, uh, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan, to John, to be baptized by him. 
And John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So Jesus is an example to us all. He was baptized there, and it says he was baptized to fulfill all righteousness or to be right with God. Jesus, of course, although the Son of God, was also born of a human mother, Mary. Um, and as such, she inherited a, a mortal nature, and baptism was essential to show faith in his father and demonstrate his own belief in the gospel message that he was to prophesy and deliver to the world. Not only was Jesus baptized, but also his followers were baptized. Baptism was the way in which people showed that they believed in Jesus and in his teaching. People then became disciples or followers of Jesus, preaching to others about the good news, the gospel, and ultimately waiting for his return from heaven to set up a kingdom on the earth. Now at first, all of these people were Jews, uh, but also eventually non-Jews were also baptised. In, uh, in Acts chapter 10, which I'll turn to, I've not got this one on the screen, but... Uh, and perhaps look this up for yourself at some point. But in Acts chapter 10, we read about a man named Cornelius, who is the first recorded non-Jew to be baptised. He is described as a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously, and prayed continually to God. So he's, like I say, he's a devout man, feared God with all his household, gave alms generously, and prayed continually to God. So he did very good things and lived a very good life, but uh, let's, just, let's just see what happens. Um, ultimately, in Acts chapter 10, um, an angel appears to him. It says that a, a man named Simon Peter was going to be called to him. And this subsequently happened. And Cornelius is visited by Simon Peter, who explains the gospel. And then he commands them to be baptized. Um, now, one of the things that Peter says in this chapter is in verse 34. Um, it says, Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. So the Jews, we'll, we'll read earlier in, in Scripture, are God's chosen people and are to be blessed through Abraham. Simon Peter had been shown a vision that the good news was for all nations, for people who believed in God and who followed his commandments. In Genesis uh, chapter 12, we read for one of those promises to Abraham, it says, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonours you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now if we look into our New Testament, at Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, 
It says there, um, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many as you of you who, as were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, as according to the promise. If we think back, we just read in Genesis chapter 12 about promises to Abraham, and there's some other, other promises as well, which we don't really have time to look at uh, this afternoon. But the, the promises were there, and through Christ and baptism, we are also heirs according to that promise, of course, following baptism. To inherit these blessings, we need to be baptised. We cannot just be like uh, Nicodemus, who was good in his thoughts and deeds, but show the um, new way of life through baptism. Now, I think from just the few verses that we've read, and there's, there's many more to look at, there is a, a very clear instruction, uh, indication that there's an instruction to be baptised for the purposes of salvation. It's a very clear instruction from Jesus and from God that in order to be saved and to be blessed in God's kingdom, then we need to be baptised. It is, of course, a choice. We can choose life or we can choose death. But what else does the Bible tell us about baptism? Perhaps about the method. It's common practice today to see infants sprinkled in water, or it may be termed christened. So do we need to be fully immersed in water? Well, think about the word. The, our New Testament, of course, was originally written in, in the Greek language. And the word baptism comes from the Greek word baptisma, which literally translates as immersion or submersion. So if you were reading it in Greek, it would be pretty obvious um, the method by which you were baptised. If you remember, we read about the account of Jesus' baptism, that afterwards he went up from the water. And this implies that he was previously down in the water. Um, we read in, uh, in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 23, John the Baptist, judging by his name, he was baptising many people. And it says there, John was also baptizing at Enon near Salem because water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptized. So for this method of baptism, which from at the point of which it's been originated there, was always with a lot of water, suggesting there we needed full immersion or submersion. Um, John wasn't simply carrying a container of water around with him for the purposes of sprinkling on the forehead. Now let's look at another example. Um, this is the example of the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, we read all about this again in Acts chapter 8. I'll read a bit more of this than we've got on the screen. Um, Acts chapter 8, and I'll start from verse 26. And uh, this is uh, about Saul in Jerusalem. It says, And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But, um, I got the right, uh, sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter. Acts <laughs> chapter 8, um, verse 26. Um, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. 
This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. And this is from Isaiah. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and, beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, there came some water, and the eunuch said, So here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. They went down into the water, and came up out of the water. We never read in the Bible about sprinkling with water. In like manner, we never read about the baptism of infants. We only ever read about believing adults who have repented and consciously chosen to be baptised. The Ethiopian eunuch believed the things concerning Jesus Christ that he had read about in his scriptures. We need to understand what the act of baptism means and why we are doing it for it to have any significance. Yes, it is a, a, a symbol, as is a, a wedding ring, a symbol of, of marriage. Now, if you put a wedding ring on a young baby, you would not expect it to be committed to the covenant of marriage. It has to, the symbol only has meaning if someone understands what the symbol is for. Now, I suppose if I'm going to answer the question, why do people get baptised, and there may be a number of answers, I could briefly tell you about why I was baptised about five years ago. Um, from a, a young age, uh, I went to the Sunday school with the Christadelphians. My mother and father were Christadelphians. Um, and I just followed an, a, a normal path through my life. Uh, I thought I had it all planned out. I was going to work hard at school, go to university, get a job, and uh, so on. But so, to cut a long story short, because um, you don't want to hear the whole thing, um, I took a, a break from my career and I went to live in, uh, in New Zealand for a year. And I had two experiences which helped me to recognize my own mortality. Uh, one was um, a snowboarding accident where I, I was fortunate enough to only break my arm. Um, the other was uh, a car accident on an icy road, um, which I emerged from uh, unscathed, thankfully. 
And the thought occurred to me, if either of those things had gone slightly differently, um, that could have been it. That was the end. Uh, my life had been about serving myself, looking for um, hope in uh, education and uh, in employment, and it was all self-serving. And my mind went back to things I had learned from the Bible, things that perhaps I had, I had learned but not understood, and I made a conscious decision to learn more about the gospel message and to take the step of being baptised. I'd always been in this feeling of the, the, well, like baptism was the, was the end and I had to know everything, every, absolutely everything, the answer to everything before I was baptised and that I would have to live a perfect life after, after baptism, which was, was misguided. We still make the same mistakes, but we, we repent, we change and we look in the right, right direction. Um, and I thought before I came here, I asked a few of the members at Blackpool why they were baptised and uh, I've collected a, f a few of their responses but I might not be able to tell you them if it doesn't <laughs> flick on um, so one person had said oh there we go right um, I knew the only way for salvation from this body of sin was through the waters of baptism removing my sins and looking forward to a life with Christ in the kingdom uh, some of these are abbreviated answers um, somebody else said having found the pearl of great price that I had searched for all my adult life I was prepared to do whatever it took to keep hold of it and a third person said, I felt that God was working in my life. He has done so much for me and is doing so much for me. Baptism is like a start of trying to do something for him. And I've just underlined that word start. And I think that's a really important principle to think about. That baptism is a start, a new start. We'll look at one final passage, um, which is in Romans, as you'll see from the screen, in chapter 6. This is a chapter that's very commonly read out at baptisms, um, and it would be good if you have the time at home to read the whole chapter yourself, but we'll just look from uh, verse 3. Romans chapter 6 and verse 3. Um, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one has, who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him.
We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's says a lot about baptism to me and if you if you read the whole chapter you can think just how important baptism is as a symbol and when we think about dying with christ and being raised up again you can see again the importance of the symbology of full immersion and raising up to new life going back to that word about being a start this is the start to start to walk in newness of life with a new goal and a new purpose um a new amazing life, actually. Um, a, a life that brings joy and a, a, a renewal of purpose. Somewhere, something that is so precious. Trying to live a good life and to follow Jesus' example. We don't suddenly stop doing wrong things. We are still in mortal bodies. But we can continue to pray for forgiveness and to confess our sins. And if we are sincere in this and continue in faithful service... We will be forgiven, and, and when we are raised for judgment, then by the grace of God, we will be saved, given immortal life in the kingdom of God to serve him for eternity. Now, there's all sorts of other symbolic uh, pointings towards baptism throughout the Bible, thinking of things like the, the passage through uh, the Red Sea, um, the passage of the Israelites through the River Jordan and so on, but we won't go into that uh, this afternoon. But I'd just like to to summarise with just a few steps that really just in five five things. If if we um, want to serve God and to live for eternity in his kingdom, then first we must believe in him, believe in God and in Jesus and the message that was delivered We must repent, which is to change direction and to move from our old life. We must be converted and turn to walk towards God. We must obey Jesus' instruction to be baptised and to wash away our sins. And then to continue walking faithfully in God's ways. We can't take any of the five... uh, elements out of there they all have to be present so in answer to the question why do people get baptized well hopefully from what we've read and what we've hopefully understood we might be more puzzled by the question why would anyone not want to get baptized we hope you enjoyed that talk for more downloads information about what we believe and details of our meeting times go to our website Ormskirk Christadelphians.org.uk